0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the 66 to 87 podcast. This is Tom Reed, as joined as always by Dave Molinari. Uh, we are recording this uh, moments after the Penguins 3-2 overtime win on Thursday night. Uh, 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 a kind of a gutty win, as it, uh, given how many players were out of the lineup and Crystal Tang, who just came back into the lineup, scores the game winning goal. Uh, but Dave, right now, I think that the big story with this group that has battled adversity from the very be- from the offseason when they knew two of their biggest stars were going to be out for some time, uh, is just how they, you know, really found a way to win tonight with a really, or I should say not tonight, but yeah, Thursday night with a really depleted lineup. Uh, to get at least two points out of that game to end a three game losing streak.
1: Yeah. And you know, they, they had a lot of the elements, you know, that they're going to need if they're going to, uh, have such a watered down lineup. I mean, they got outstanding goaltending from Tristan Jari. That's probably the biggest thing. He stopped 36 of 38 shots. And I don't think even his most harsh critic will blame him on either of the goals, uh, that the Flyers scored. Um, Chris Letang, they they eased back into the lineup by only playing him for, a, <laughs> I think it was 28 minutes and 50 seconds. And I suspect that, that the off-ice officials probably missed some of his playing time. It seemed like he was out there constantly. Uh, they finally got another goal from Jake Gentel, which was uh, very badly over needed. Two,
0: two of the season.
1: Yeah, not only by them, uh, but, uh, you know, for for his mental well-being, I think uh, getting a goal was pretty important. Uh, they still, you know, they left a, a lot of potential goals out there, uh, especially early in the first half of the game. They had some rebound opportunities that really should have been converted. The two that come immediately to mind were, chances for Gensel and Mike Matheson. And I believe there was at least one other that when you're, when you're a team that's going to be struggling to, to score goals, uh, you've got to convert those good opportunities. So, you know, they, they did an admirable job of, of beating a, you know, a pretty good team while, while using a uh, very diluted lineup, but, you know, I don't know if it's the good news or the bad news, but they, they could play better.
0: Sure. Uh, now, just for, for fans that uh, they, they're kind of losing track of the, uh, the, the, the people that are in and out of the lineup. Uh, first of all, you include Mike Sullivan, who, uh, according to um, uh, the Penguins earlier in the day, is symptomatic. So he's probably going to be out for a little while. Uh, guys that did not play last uh, on Thursday night: Marcus Petterson, Chad Riedel, Sidney Crosby, who just came back into the lineup the other night against New Jersey, and Brian Dumoulin. That's and then, of course, we still do not have Kenny Malkin or Brian Rust, who have just other injuries. But Dave, I want to focus right now on on the on the COVID uh, situation with the Penguins. Uh, the season started with with Zach Aston-Reese. Uh, did not play early and missed the first couple of games because of it. Jeff Carter. We mentioned Latang. Latang just came back in the lineup, and as, as you mentioned, they uh, uh, they they've certainly put him to use tonight. And he and and of course he did, he did get, does get the winner. But Dave, this was a team last year that was excellent as far as you know, not really having many problems, if it, any problems with COVID. They did a great job of of really, uh, it not be beco- not becoming an impact as it did for some teams. I uh, you, uh, you think back to Washington in the playoffs, uh, but what do you think's going on, or is it just it's just the way the world is right now? Well, I, I
1: think I think it's mostly a commentary on, on the virus. Uh, the Penguins have been, from all indications, really quite diligent uh, about you know trying to keep the uh the virus out of their locker room um you know they they seem to be doing a good job with you know wearing masks when they're away from the ice certainly guys when they when they do interviews which are all done you know from behind a podium uh well distanced from reporters you know a lot of them have masks on Um, the penguins are testing everybody you know every players, coaches, and staffers uh, every day, which is more often than than the league requires teams to do. Uh, so, you know, it's not as if they've adopted the mindset that, well, you know, COVID is over, you know, let, let's right. get on with life. Uh, uh, they've still been quite cautious, but, you know, it doesn't take much, you know, it really just one guy – uh presumably who is asymptomatic doesn't realize that he's carrying the virus you know he brings it into the locker room and you know that's it the dam has broken and you know it it doesn't take it doesn't take much after that to spread to one guy and then another and then another and then another and you know pretty soon you end up with uh a a list of guys in the COVID protocol. It's almost as big as the rest of your roster.
0: Yeah. And and you, you know, with with Crosby, you, you, you feel really bad for him because he'd worked so hard to get back into the lineup. He comes back for one game. And now, you know, because he's symptomatic, my understanding is it's kind of a 10 day window here now. So he's going to miss not, he did not just miss that game, He's going to miss some more time.
1: Yeah, it's not exactly the start to the season that uh, he would have wanted. That's for sure. But, you know, dealing with injuries and uh, over the past year and a half or so ailments, you know, that's part of the challenge of winning in this league. So, you know, it's difficult for the individuals. It's difficult for teams that are as hard hit by the virus as the penguins have been. But, you know, that's, uh, you know, that that's life in, in the NHL. You have to uh, overcome the challenges that, that the game and life uh, present you with. Uh, I, I thought that was a big win Thursday. I, I
0: really did. I mean, it's, it's, it's look, it's, it's, it's the first week of November. So there's a long way to go, but, you know, with with the same losing streak, with the Flyers getting back into the game late, tying it, that would have been a tough one to swallow had they lost that game, even in overtime. Let alone give up a, another late goal uh, to to have lost and not got a point. Uh, I know you you we were talking off air. You did give the Flyers a point. I mean, that's that's the one thing about it. It's not a uh, a Western Conference game where you really don't care if that team gets the point. Uh, but that I thought that was a, a big win, and I and I do think uh, that was some. Before you were you were joking earlier, uh, but that, that was a Ray work like um, minutes eating of uh, by by uh, Latang, who ends up scoring the the winner on a wraparound.
1: Yeah, he had he had been averaging a bit over twenty six minutes per game of ice time uh, through his first four games this season. Now that's a pretty impressive total in its own right and uh exactly. none of none of those four games came immediately after he had been off the ice for 10 days uh because of coronavirus so he you know and he not only played a lot he played very well um you know he, he, it, he did not look like a guy who who had you know was coming off of uh, you know a two week layoff
0: and he did say uh, he met with the media earlier in the day on Thursday and he flat out said he just had, had, had about just everything you could have that is kind of uh, linked to the virus right down to, I think, losing his taste and smell or maybe one of the other. But it, uh, it yeah, he just, said you know, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah,
1: he, say, he said that he lost both uh, sense of taste and smell and, you know, all, all of the other uh, symptoms that we've come to associate with coronavirus. Apparently, he managed to experience them all.
0: Well, he certainly didn't look like it. Uh, again, that was a pretty uh, gutty performance with a, a really skeleton group. You no, know, Mike Sullivan. Hey, Todd Reardon back in the winning win column uh, as, as the head coach. Uh, that, that was, a again, a big win against a division rival. Uh, we're just getting started here. Uh, we'll be back on the DK Pittsburgh Sports uh, Podcast Network. You are listening to the 66 to 87 Podcast Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast. And Dave, um, a story that we, we we'd first learned about in November uh, regarding the Penguins and a lawsuit uh, that is going to be filed now um, uh, by Aaron uh, Scaldi, the, uh, the wife of uh, former Pittsburgh Penguins minor league assistant coach Jared Scaldi, Looks like that lawsuit is going to go forward in Rhode Island. Uh, obviously, we'd much rather be talking about some hockey stuff, but this is something we can't ignore. Especially after we talked so much uh, last week about what's going on in Chicago, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in our third segment. But again, this is something that has now uh, come to the Penguins' uh, the front door too. Uh, Bill Guerin, who was the former assistant general manager uh, of the Penguins, who is now with the Minnesota Wild, who, by the way, is the Penguins' next opponent, uh, if you're listening on Saturday, that's who they're playing. We don't know if, if, if Bill Guerin uh, will be in town or not. Uh, you know, uh, this is something that's uh, very serious in nature. Uh, it's an alleged sexual assault uh, in a vehicle uh, several years ago. Uh, uh, they are claiming uh, that, that it was brought to the attention of Bill Guerin several months later, six, six or seven months later. And a- allegedly uh, according to the lawsuit, uh, Garen had just kind of told them to keep a lid on. So let's, let's, let's keep this quiet. Uh, uh, then if, if you follow along, Jared Scully ends up not being with the organization anymore. Uh, Dave, when you just, you, you look at this uh, and again, The evidence will come out, assuming the trial goes forward. Just your just initial thoughts of of, of what's going on here.
1: Well, I mean, obviously, it's it's troubling. Um, You know, you don't want to jump to conclusions because there's a whole lot of of questions that haven't been answered yet. There's a lot of information that we still need, but. You know, the, the simple allegation that there was, you know, a sexual assault uh, involving the former coach of the the Penguins farm team in wilkes that the Penguins did not, you know, aggressively look into and, uh, you know, take action, you know, based on, on their findings. Yeah. You know, that. Yeah. That. That's kind of troubling, especially in the in the context of, you know, any number of other things that, that are going on in the hockey world right now.
0: Yeah. And 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 I don't know. I don't know if we mentioned by name Clark Donatelli, uh, was as the coach that you referred to. Uh, he's the one being alleged to have committed the sexual assault. Uh, also named in the lawsuit, uh, the owners of the team Mario Lemieux and Ronald. Ron Burkle. Uh, but I would think this this really, um, with Bill Guerin, um, who, of course, fans came to really, really appreciate and like here for his time winning a cup as a player and also uh, in, in management with the the second two cups and whose career had been off, he's off to a pretty good start in Minnesota, uh, this is probably the person probably with most to lose here as we go forward, assuming if there is something there to, now to, to continue on this, uh, Garen is, is also being investigated, uh, by the U S center of, of safe sport. Uh, he was named as the assistant general manager to the 2022 Olympic team. So you were thinking he would be reunited, uh, with Mike Sullivan. Uh, this has to be, um, you yeah, know, I would have to say, uh, a troubling time here for, for Bill Guerin is, is, and, and just this kind of publicity that's hanging over him. And again, we're not saying anything happened or didn't happen, but it's certainly not something the kind of headlines you would, you, you'd welcome.
1: No, um, obviously not. And, you know, Guerin, uh was widely regarded as the guy most likely to step in as GM of the. US Olympic team after Stan Bowman, who you know had been in that position, uh, resigned following the scandal in Chicago where he was GM of the Blackhawks. So yeah this uh, you know th- this is a, uh, a a very troubling situation for for Garen um, you know, uh, presumably, uh, the ongoing investigation or investigations will determine whether he had any culpability in anything that that went on, or in covering up, or not thoroughly investigating anything that is alleged to have gone on. But uh, yeah, this uh, this would certainly seem to be a uh, a black cloud that's hanging over him at the moment. <laughs>
0: And, 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 and part of this as well, to be clear, uh, one of the things that is being contended here is that um, the team, the, the Penguins violated state whistleblower statutes uh, by firing him on May 5th. Uh, and when I say him, I mean Jared Scaldi, uh, because he complained to the team about the alleged assault. That's the part also that when we're talking a lot about Garen, that does not necessarily look good for the organization. Uh, that's the part where I think it, it, it looks rough for the organization. And again, not we're not saying anything as far as they're in trouble, they're not in trouble, that will be, come out in court. But Dave, right now with the environment that's going on in the NHL, especially after this high-profile case in Chicago, I would think the NHL would really – be be on their toes for whatever evidence comes out of this.
1: Yeah, you would think and uh as far as Scaldi's departure from the Penguins organization um I believe that they have presented it as one of a number of layoffs uh that were that came about because you know staff Correct. reductions because of COVID so um you know whether that was the actual reason that he was terminated you know i i i certainly can't say one way or the other but you know that is the uh the official explanation uh from the organization for his departure and,
0: and unlike again that this we're we're going apples and oranges here but unlike the Chicago incident where everybody was implicated, right? Everybody from, you know, from, from the, obviously the, the perpetrator Aldridge all the way up through the organization in the management. Uh, it's, it's, it's very important. We want to note that former general manager, uh, Jim Rutherford was not named in this. So he, he, he is not named in, in, in this lawsuit. So again, we keep coming, I keep coming back to, you know, it's, it's a lot of this seems to be falling in Bill Guerin's lap. Uh, and it's it's going to be really interesting going forward to see what happens with Bill Guerin. And again, uh, you know, beyond the, what's happening here had a really strong start to his career in Minnesota. Uh, we will continue to monitor this as there's Evidence is presented, assuming this, 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 this trial goes forward and this case goes forward, will continue. And I do want to make an apology uh, to our listeners. Uh, last week, er, we had Michael Russo on, uh, who is, does a great job covering Minnesota Wild uh, uh, for the athletic, and we, we were talking with him, and I, I neglected not to ask him about Bill Guerin's situation. There really hasn't been a lot coming out of Minnesota about this, uh, but I do apologize uh, for not bringing that uh, question to the table for Mike Russo. When we come back, Dave and I are going to, normally we have a guest in our third segment. We're not going to talk about that today. We're going to just get into a little bit more of, of what we're talking about. And really, what one of the concern, overarching concerns here is uh, kind of this this code of silence in the NHL that has been part of the league since almost from the beginning. And and, and if, if at some point here, one of these cases maybe forces some changes, maybe some changes in, in people uh, in at the top of the NHL chain or what has to happen here uh, to maybe try to dissuade some of this stuff or at least when it comes to the attention of teams, trying to take it and, and nipping it in, in the bud and, and trying to uh, be more transparent with it. That's our next topic on the 66th podcast. Uh, Dave, we we just got done talking uh, about what was happening uh, with this uh, lawsuit that apparently will go forward uh, involving the Penguins. And one of the allegations in there is um, by uh, the the Scaldy family uh, uh, that Bill Guerin just told them to keep a lid on this. Let's keep a lid on this. Let's not publicize it, and then, of course, everything we, we, as we laid out goes forward. Scaldi ends up getting let go. Uh, the lawsuit goes forward in November. But I want to talk to you a little bit about this idea in this sport uh, uh, about this this culture of silence that, that seems to be greater in hockey uh, than in the other major sports. Now, not to say every sport has its problems. We, we, we've, we've saw all of what happened uh, with the Washington football team in recent years. Any sport, it all has its problems. But I think more so than any other sport in North America, this whole idea of this culture of of n- keeping keeping it in the room, so to speak, keeping it within the organization, is more pervasive in hockey than any other sport. And I think at some point here, there needs to be a call for change in that and to be a little bit more transparent, a little bit more progressive in dealing with these type of cases when they arise?
1: Well, I, I mean, I think that's a fair point, but I also don't know that it's realistic to think that uh, the sort of change you, you suggest uh, is something that could be done quickly. Uh, the culture of hockey has been... Largely unchanged for through all the decades that I've been around the game, and you know is is rooted as as deeply as can be. So you know we're not talking about a a mindset or an attitude that that you only find in the NHL. It uh, you know the keep it in the room mentality uh, certainly extends down to major junior hockey and I have to believe uh, at uh, development levels below that um, you know I don't know how far down to to what age group you know you, you would find the uh, the origins of, of that but it, it certainly is in just about every every layer of uh, of hockey that that involves you know, playing on a competitive level.
0: You're absolutely right. Um, Will it take something? The Blackhawks thing is certainly way, it's gotten a lot bigger headlines and and rightly so. Uh, uh, Can this possibly be a change agent? And when I ask you this, I am saying bearing in mind with almost the tone deaf uh, press conference the other day uh, given by Gary Bettman, uh, in which he went through, you know, he's a, a lawyer and just did not seem to understand the gravity of it, where he's trying to parse things with language of a lawyer. And I thought it really came off poorly as someone who just wasn't in touch. Uh, Gary Bettman has been in, uh, at the commissioner of the NHL since the early nineties. It's a a, it's a group of guys that are running this league that have been running it for a long time. And one of the criticisms of hockey fair or unfair is yeah, just, as you mentioned, it's kind of, this is the way it's always been. What has to change? You just said it's, it's ingrained. And I agree with you hundred percent. What has to change? Uh, does it have to be from the fan standpoint, either protests or not going to games? What draws the league's attention to this is serious and we can't keep having this bad publicity every year or in hockey in general, every year, something, these type of stories coming out.
1: Well, that's, I mean, the the key there is that it's not just the NHL. If, if it was only that league that, that had these issues, then yes, perhaps the, uh, the fans could have an impact by boycotting, you know, not watching on TV, not buying tickets, not buying merchandise or whatever, but you're, you're talking about a, the culture of a sport that extends, you know, down through many layers and levels of the game. You know, I suppose it's conceivable that, that what went on in Chicago could be, be the the spark that, that initiates a a change in, in the culture of the game. But frankly, I wouldn't be optimistic about it. Uh, You know, there have been some pretty heinous incidents at a number of levels of the game, you know, over the years. And none of that has, you know, made a significant difference in the culture. Um, So I'm not sure that it's it's realistic to expect this to have any sort of uh, long-term impact.
0: Yeah. And I, I, again, I don't disagree with you. I I look at a league like the NBA and the NBA is no league is driven by players more than the NBA. And the, the owners in that league are I think the most progressive of any of the owner or the, the owners in any sport. And there's a partnership there. There's a partnership. And I can't see this type of story ever happening in the NBA because no player in the NBA, no star in the NBA, LeBron James if something like this happened on his team this would not be this would not be kept quiet this would not be suppressed this would not be an open secret within the locker room that never sees the light of day and i'm wondering you know in the nhl that 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 partnership does not exist in as far as i'm concerned it, it is not a league it's a league that's run by the owners uh, There's certainly a players' union, in this, uh, but it is not a partnership. And I'm wondering if that's where this has to start. Um, we just saw one of the most successful coaches in the NHL lose his job for this, Joel Quindle, uh, and was in, in, in Florida. Not even He wasn't still even in Chicago. He was in Florida when this happens. Does something that like that maybe give some of these decision makers, uh, these guys that run these teams, Maybe that is the the the, the you know, what happened to Joel Quinville, and maybe what ends up happening to, to again with Billy Guerin as something that these guys are going to have to start. To, I don't want to say ser- taking seriously isn't the right phrase, but to understand the consequences of suppressing. Uh, we'll go with strictly with the Chicago story because we've that, enough of it has come out now. Maybe that's what it's going to take to see a guy like Joe Quinville. Uh, lose his job and maybe not get another chance to be back in the NHL to maybe wake up some of these people to take this kind of stuff a little bit more seriously
1: well yeah that yeah I mean that might be the case if you know every incident of this sort came to light right but but you know we have no reason to believe that it doesn't or that it does you know that, that you know 90% of the things that we would find really troubling uh you know they they might well be successfully suppressed you know as as this uh chicago incident was for for so many years so you know if uh, if you're only having say 10% of your scandals uh get a public airing you know maybe you decide that's uh that's something you can live with to preserve a status quo that you like. And something else to, to keep in mind here is that Gary Bettman is not charged with being the, a steward of the game of hockey. He's charged with making the league as profitable as possible for, for the guys who are his bosses, who are, who are the, you know, the 32 owners and ownership groups in, in the league, um, you know, you you'd like to think that looking out for what's best for the game is also what's best for the owners but i don't know that that's necessarily always the case
0: and i again once again i don't disagree with you and that's why this whole what we're talking about i think is such a challenge to the nhl because it again it is to me of the f- four major sports the least progressive and and I I do as as a fan of this game, I'm fifty-seven, about to be fifty-seven, I have never been more embarrassed of of of, of hockey in the last couple of years with this stuff. And I and at some point I think it's gonna start catching up to the league. And and I hope it does. I, I hope somewhere in New York or or Toronto or wherever the front off whatever you want to say the front office is that the league starts to look at this and say, we have to start taking this stuff. When something comes out, we have to aggressively go after it, make it public because I just don't know how many more of these type of scandals the NHL can handle. Because as you mentioned, Dave, this is not just an NHL issue. uh, And that's part of the difficulty. This goes all the way down. Uh, last, last year, the, the the story that came out in junior hockey with the Sarnia Sting, that only came to light because Dan Carcillo, years after, in th- the incidents of, of bullying with several players on the Sarnia Sting in the Ontario Hockey League back in 2002, 2003, only came to light because Carcillo finally brought it up. And then another player, Dan Fritchie, who played in the league for seven, eight more years, kind of said, yes, it did happen. And that's the only way this comes out. At some point, I I think hockey has to have this kind of reckoning with itself and say, "We just can't keep having this happen to us Uh, again." It's going to happen in every league, but it just seems this this kind of story just seems to keep happening in the NHL and in 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 hockey in general, year after year. And to me, I just I throw my hands up and say, when is someone going to start taking this more seriously?
1: It's a it's a fair question, but I would say if, you know, if you're waiting for that to happen, you better take a very deep breath because, uh, I, you know, I'm not optimistic that there are going to be any profound changes at the NHL level, let alone at the, the levels below that, you know, anytime soon.
0: Well, um, Again, I hope fans understand this is the reason we did not have a guest today. I wanted to bring this up. I wanted to have a little back and forth about this. We will get back to matters, of course, of hockey and all the fun stuff we we, we like to talk about here on the sixty-sixty-eighty-seven podcast. But for for us today, I, I thought this was a good day to kind of address some of this stuff, bring it to light, and again, we'll see. Uh, I, I do share. Unfortunately, I share Dave's opinion that. Uh, I don't know what is going to change. I hope something does change for the better of the game, and we'll see where it goes from here. Uh, That's it for us this week on the 66-87 to podcast. We will be back next week with a guest, and uh, I think we'll get back to a lot of hockey talk. Uh, Thanks for listening on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network.